All right, welcome into episode 67 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast, the Lawson Krauss edition, alongside Craig Morgan, and not, uh, what's the other guy's name that used to be here? Joe? Joe? Jar- Jar- Jarvis? I didn't even know there was another okay. guy. I guess it doesn't matter at this point, because this is two straight shows where it's just Craig Morgan and myself, Luke Lipinski, talking hockey with you for the next, I don't know how long this will go, between five minutes and an hour, I would guess, somewhere in there. It's a, it's a pretty safe range. Craig, first of all... Because I care. How are you doing? Wow. <laughs> that, that's not an answer. That's just a sound. I'm great, actually. This uh, this break has been good for me, this bye week for the Coyotes. It's, it's good enjoying to see it. that you're... I'm enjoying the end of football season. Taking a couple maintenance days. I like days. football, but sometime late in football season when hockey is also running it. It gets a little rough, and I know you can relate. There's a stretch, definitely, in December into early January where... Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. The occasional occasional day off isn't the worst thing in the world. We will start with the Winnipeg Jets this week. Uh, the Jets are going to be here on Friday when the Coyotes get out of their bye week, which we're not going to do a preview of that game, although it'll be interesting. Potentially Alex Burmistrov will be playing against his former team. Uh, and I was looking forward to seeing Patrick Laine in person. Nope. Don't think we're getting that, Craig. Yeah, that's it is a shame. I mean, you never know what's going to happen with a concussion. He got that, of course, on the hit from McCabe. But, and I, I thought it was a clean hit, by the way, watching the play. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. It's just a shame that we get cheated out of watching one of the two best rookies in the NHL this season. Yeah. It's, um, I don't think it was a dirty hit either. I, I kind of thought that the Jets probably responded about as well as you could. Mark Shifley's right there. He instantly goes after McCabe, which, you know, he's he's the closest Jets player. It happens in a nanosecond. You know, he just sees his teammate down, and I love that response if I'm a, if I'm a Jets fan, which I'm not, but if I was, I would love that response. And it's also... You know, Mark Scheifele just happens to score a lot of goals and get points, too. That's not really his primary uh, responsibility. Non-NHL All-Star Mark Scheifele? Yeah. Not, Maybe soon to be NHL All-Star if he replaces Line, but... Not uh, good enough to make we'll the original that, cut. a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so he... Good response there, but I, I kind of felt like the Jets, while they didn't like the hit, obviously, you know, I, I didn't hear a lot of them saying it was a dirty hit, because it, it really isn't. It's just kind of an unfortunate hit. I mean, yeah. I've seen it about a thousand times, and... One of those, yeah, it's just part of the game. Yeah. So, Patrick Laine, like you said, we don't know. I mean, I guess he could be back at any point. But hopefully he's not out for an extended period because this he was one of the, the top stories in the league this year. He really was. It really becomes a one-person te- one race for the Calder Trophy if, if he's out for a while because yeah. uh, I, I think it's between him and Austin Matthews at this point. Yeah, Zach Wierenski's having a good year, and we've talked on the show about Matt Murray, how he's probably not going to get a whole lot of votes anyway, because I don't think a lot of people even remember he's technically a rookie. But with Line and Matthews, you had an actual rookie scoring race that, yeah. that was impacting the, the NHL goal scoring race, too. So, Would Matt Murray be on your ballot? Um, well, those are the four guys. If, if Line you know, misses a couple weeks here, then and he ends up sliding off the ballot. Then yeah, I, I mean Murray's right there. I'd have to look closer between him and Wierenski, but Wierenski's done so much for Columbus. He really has. Mitchell Morris having a terrific year too, um, thirty-two points. He's only three behind his teammate Austin Matthews, but well, Nylander's having a pretty good year too. I mean, yeah, he's on pace for about all three points. of those guys. Yeah, Nylander's at twenty-six, so he's he's fallen nine points behind Austin Matthews. But wow, what a trio of. Yeah. promising young prospects they've got right there that are already producing at the NHL level. But, I mean, Murray's done a lot for the Penguins, too. It, it's one. It, it's not It's not like an MVP vote where you can sit here and say, well, if you took so-and-so off these teams, like if you took Murray off the Penguins, they'd be fine until the playoffs, leaning on Marc-Andre Fleury. But uh, if you took Wierenski off the Blue Jackets, I do think they you would see a pretty considerable drop-off. And obviously if you took Austin Matthews off the Maple Leafs, no, <laughs> I, I don't. They wouldn't be anywhere near playoff contention. Nope. They would be still fun with Marner and Nylander, but they wouldn't be a, a playoff contender. So hopefully Line gets back uh, sooner rather than later, whether it's in time for us to see him in person here in Phoenix or not. To the All-Star game. The rosters were released earlier today. Anything stand out to you, Craig? Here's what stands out to me. Fire. My All-Star window refuses to open on my computer, so I won't be able to look at these rosters. I'm just going to have to go off memory. <laughs> Well, let me let me preface anything that I'm going to say from here on out with, I don't get that worked up about the All Star Game. I don't get that worked up about any All Star Game because they are, they're largely meaningless games. They are meaningless games. They're showcases for a variety of things. It's not always 
the most deserving players that get in. Sometimes it's a popularity contest. Sometimes it's about marketing certain stars that are faces of the league. So there are a lot of factors at play here. And when you look at the rosters this year, you see all those factors at play. Because if you want to talk about snubs, we can, we can certainly hit some names that, from a production standpoint, from a performance standpoint, probably deserve to be here over some of the guys that are on these rosters. Yeah. Uh, Cam the Atkinson. that you can't see, right? Can't, no, but I know that Cam Atkinson's not on one of them. Yeah, that's, that's great. Now there's Artemi Panarin. You've got two guys who are in the top six in scoring in the NHL, and they're not on the All-Star rosters. Yeah. I, how, I mean, he's the reigning rookie of the year, too, so it's not like anybody's looking at this and saying, oh, maybe right. he just had a who, good first half. Who's that guy? And they can't use that weird, convoluted argument that sometimes you hear from people at this time of year where they're like, well, it's really about the calendar year. Okay, well, the calendar year, Artemi Panarin. By the way, they all say it in that voice, too. Uh, the calendar year, he was, he was great as well. Uh, you're right. Th- this is the thing to remember if you are just sort of a casual hockey fan and you're looking at this and you're, okay, why is this guy on this team and this guy isn't? It is very convoluted now the way they have to name their rosters because not only do you have to account for every team being represented, which I, I like. I do want every team there. Sure, I do too. And last year, 29 of the 30 teams were represented, even though all 30 were supposed to be represented. But you also have to factor in the the divisional breakdown so you can have this three-on-three tournament, which I also like. I like the three-on-three tournament, but when you start to break it down that way, then you're going to see a guy that, that this team had to have a representative and their only guy that qualifies as a forward, so he's going to go over probably a more deserving forward on another team. There's, just, there's a lot of mitigating factors. But you know, to your point on Panarin... Why is Taves there over Panarin? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 one of the names that you can look at. Jonathan Taves has been a terrific guy and a, a terrific player in his career, but he's not having an all-star type year. He's not producing. I know he does a lot of other things. I know how important he is to the Blackhawks. I know as well as anybody. But yeah, yeah. There there are plenty of guys. We we talked about about Mark Scheifele earlier, who's having a terrific year that probably belongs in this mix instead of Jonathan Taves. There's a bigger name here. Devin Dumix, is is he? Oh, he is actually. My my bad. I was going to say what. I'm going to I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's on the list. Actually, has, has anybody ever won the Vezina without being in the All Star game? Yeah. Actually, that's probably Devin Dumix. By the way, has a chance to set the highest save percentage for a single season in NHL history. And no big deal. Yeah, it's it's better. it's only been what about exactly a hundred years, and uh, this would be the year to set a record like that. Um, yeah, you know, Shifley, I I think that's. I don't know how he isn't on this team. Uh, again, I mean, I'm looking closer at the Central now. McKinnon is on this team because Colorado has to have somebody, and we'll get to Colorado in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, Line is on the team over Shifley, I guess. I, I guess I get that. You know, Kane, Sagan, Tarasenko, it's hard to argue those. It is weird arguing against Jonathan Taves. He does a lot. He does a lot of things you don't need in an all-star game, though, necessarily, and Shifley's had a ridiculous year. But, you know, if you feel like the Blackhawks need to have four representatives, then why isn't Panarin there over Taves? Exactly. I understand Panarin's not there now because that would give them five, and there's only so many players you can fit on a team. But, uh, yeah, th- that's those are some of the more egregious ones, at least on, on that side. But Cam Atkinson not playing. Yeah, that's just insane. So with, with the season he's having, you just can't leave him off. Columbus has Seth Jones and Sergei Bobrovsky. And that's, you know, we talked about this the last couple weeks as that streak was going. They're not they're not a team loaded with big names. Right. Um, and certainly Bobrovsky deserves to be there. Seth Jones does too. I mean, I guess you basically have to pick either him or Warensky. There's not really – the way the rosters are made up, you can't take two defensemen from the same team for the most part. It's weird not seeing Cam Atkinson there. Yeah. But, you know, again, if you go up and down the list in that division, and that division has eight teams, so it's even harder, are you going to not have Simmons, Ovechkin, Crosby, Malkin, Hall, or Tavares? Like, you know – this is why they need to go the format that I suggested on a podcast earlier, where every team has a three guys has a uh, yeah they have an all star team actually. You take uh, you play three on th- a three three tournament with all the teams in the NHL. I do like this idea. Yeah. It's short games. Obviously, you got to shorten it. You can't kill these guys. But com- completely unfeasible, but I like it. Yeah, it's completely unfeasible. But then who would play That's goalie? Why I like it actually. Would every goalie get to go? I suppose they would. What if they just put those shooter tutors up in the net? <laughs> Make it simpler on everybody. How do you feel about Mike Smith's inclusion in this, by the way? Well, I've gotten this call from a lot of people here locally that 
that didn't really have a strong feeling one way or the other. It was more of a, really? Mike Smith's an all-star this year? So here's my standard answer that I've been giving. I've formulated this over the last six hours. Uh, he's having a much better season than you think he is. Mm-hmm. He also missed about a month of the, of the season. Uh, typically, Oliver ekman Larson would be a lock for this team, even though he didn't get to go last year for some reason. Uh, this is this is probably, what, Oliver's worst year yeah, of his career? Yeah, it's a down year for Oliver, no question. And when you look at the Coyotes, I mean, who else is a candidate? You're, you're probably not going to take Redeem Verbata, who's probably been their most consistent forward. Yeah. Eels had it down here, so you, you pretty much have to take Mike Smith. And when you look at the, the goaltending situation in the Pacific Division, I, and I wrote this in a story today, you could probably make a strong argument for Cam Talbot because he's played 37 games. He's been a workhorse for Edmonton, one of the biggest reasons they're in the playoff race, and his save percentage is just a couple points higher than Mike's. But, again, like you are talking about, there are a lot of considerations here. And who's he playing behind? You know, Mike Smith is playing behind a team that's given up more shots than any other team in the league by far. He, he's not playing behind a good possession team right now, and he's had some absolutely miraculous performances, including that shootout performance against Columbus when he stopped 58 shots, which is a, a franchise record and the most saves by a goaltender in the NHL in, in almost two years. Yeah, right as Columbus was getting going. That was right towards the start of their streak. I mean... He had 10 saves in overtime. 10. Yeah. He's been huge in overtime all season, and I know that if you if you don't live here and you're just looking at the if you just pulling up the Coyote schedule right now, you'll look at their most recent run, and there was a lot of lopsided losses in terms of you know two or three goals. It was weird. Some of those games, I feel like they outplayed the other team and still lost by two or three goals. Earlier in the season, though, it felt like every loss was by one goal, and it wasn't all because of Mike Smith that they were in those games, but it was majoritively. And if if I'm just I'm looking at this team like last year. Who should have been an all-star from this team? Oliver ekman Larson for sure. Uh, you could have made a case for Shane Doan. And Max Domi, too. And, and Max Domi. Three guys over the guy who ended up getting it and then wasn't on the team when he went. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but this year, as we said, Oliver's had a down year. His down year, in most cases, is probably still enough to get you into the all-star game, but not when Brent Burns and Drew Doughty are in your division. Uh, Max Domi's hurt. Shane Doan's not having nearly the productive season he had last year. And Anthony Duclair would be your other guy, and he's he's been he started really slow this year. So yeah. I think Mike Smith. If you're just looking at his which coyote do you send, I think you send Mike Smith, and then it just sets off a chain reaction. And really, up until the, this this losing streak that they just went through, that nine game losing streak, if you looked at his numbers before that, he was right up in the top ten in save percentage in the NHL, which was mind boggling considering what he was facing on a nightly basis. I just wrote about how his his save percentage actually dipped quite a bit over that stretch where he wasn't over 900 for several games. Yeah. Dave Tibbet even talked about it. He said, we're not getting the goaltending that we need right now. And I know that sounds crazy to people who have been watching Mike make great save after great save, but they, yeah, that's the situation the Coyotes are in. They need a goaltender playing at an all-star level to be competitive in the NHL. And he was doing that for a really good chunk. And so I think, I think when the evaluation was made, I still think that that weighed heavily. I don't, I'm not sure how much... People looked at these last few games when they were looking, you know, what, whoever the NHL's hockey operations staff is selects this team, right? I feel like it's just Matt Sundin in a room somewhere. I don't know why I feel like that's what it is, but that's kind of what I've always envisioned. No, you're, you know, to your point on that quote from Dave Tippett, it wasn't that we're getting bad goaltending. That's not what he said. It's we're not getting the goaltending we need. And if you look at that closer, they need a guy who can stop 35 shots a night and give up, you know, two goals. During that stretch, they weren't. They weren't scoring more than two goals for the most part. What's his record when he's when he's forced to make forty or more saves this year? He's four zero and two. Yeah, and there was that ten game stretch where they gave up forty two or more in five of those games and thirty three or more in eight of those games. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of rubber to face. He he goes back to my earlier argument from a year ago of why Roberto Luongo is such a good addition for the Panthers, and now you know anything I've ever said about the Panthers goes out the window this year because I didn't foresee them just tearing it down or whatever they're doing. I don't know if they're tearing it down or building it up or just. I don't know what they're doing, but having Luongo for that young team keeps you in a lot of games. Those young players get to experience not just playing NHL games, but playing key moments in games that aren't decided. You know, just being in the NHL but losing every night five to two doesn't do a whole lot for you. But being in every no. even if you're losing them all three two, you're in them. And Mike Smith's been doing that for the most part this year for the Coyotes. Yeah, and you know, he he was on a conference call earlier today to talk about this is his first All-Star selection at age 34, which is, I, th- I think guys appreciate it a whole lot more when they get it at this age than they do when they're younger. I would agree with that. He talked a little bit about that, but when I was asking him about the shots, 
he said he actually doesn't mind the volume of shots as much as obviously the the really quality scoring chances. But I, you know, I can't help thinking about that when you're when you're facing forty two shots in a game versus twenty six. Even if you're dialed in and you're you're playing really well, goaltending is is so mental. It, there's it's so much more mental than other positions. I believe if you lose that focus, and, and I don't think people realize how hard it is to keep that steely focus for an entire game. When you're facing shots nonstop, it's just coming and coming and coming. People might think, oh, well, you just you can stay in the game. It's exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. And if you have one letdown, pucks in the net. So it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I marvel at guys who can face that kind of, you know, shot volume on a game by game basis and still maintain a high level. And if you have one letdown, you got to figure that other team is is confident because they're getting so many shots, but also a little frustrated because none of them are going in. Mm-hmm. The second you've let one in, then their confidence really gets, and they just smell blood in the water. Especially if your team's not scoring a lot. So, uh, yeah, I, I you know I understand why people are looking at like Mike Smith's an all star this year because be, mainly for me because he missed. What close to a month right at the start of the season. Yeah. So if you're just looking at his counting stats, they're not there with some of these other guys. But, yeah, I think he's he's the most deserving Coyote. Um, and then from there, you know, how do – let's assume it's Matt Sundin building these teams. How does Matt Sundin build the teams? Does he, does he take teams where they're only going to have one guy and then fill in the roster around it? Because, like, Bo Horvat's on this team. It would be a fun story, wouldn't it, to actually get inside that process? I'm not sure yeah. they'd ever let you that far inside the process, but – that would be a cool story. I feel like we can just piece it together, because, though. Because it is difficult now. There's there's so many considerations here. It's almost like putting together a schedule. You've got all these yeah. factors that people don't think about when you're putting together a team. Uh, you mentioned something else about Mike that I think is interesting, too, and, and it's, it's not exactly rocket science, but the other pressure that he faces, knowing this team just isn't going to score that many goals. They're not going to get you past two on most nights. So the pressure of knowing that, okay, if I give up more than two, we're probably going to lose this game. It's just crazy what, what it does to your mind. And you yeah. have to, again, you have to be so zoned in all the time. And, again, that can be exhausting. Yeah, I, I, those are all great points. And just looking up and down the Pacific Division team, you've got three three players from the Sharks. I mean, they went to the Cup last year. And all these guys are deserving. Joe Pavelski, Brent Burns, Martin Jones. Uh, I'm just looking at other places where you could fit guys. Like Calgary only gets Johnny Gaudreau. L.A. gets Jeff Carter, who was very deserving, and Drew Doughty. Ryan Kessler is, is he's been Anaheim's best player this he year. He has been without a doubt. Not even close, yeah. And then Cam Fowler's maybe if you were trying to poke holes, if you were trying to fit another defenseman on this team, you could maybe find somebody over Cam Fowler, but I think he's been good this year too. I, I don't really have you know, there aren't a lot. I, I don't see a lot of guys on any of these teams where I'm I find myself wondering how, why they're there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can give me a list of snubs and I, and I do think Mark Seifley should be there. It's crazy to say that Jonathan Taves is the, the name that stands he out might be. among guys that you don't think belong there. And I feel like he kind of said the same thing, didn't he? Didn't he have a similar reaction? I'm trying to – yeah, here's the quote. I guess it's related to how I've played in previous seasons, not this one, and not necessarily who's doing the best on our team. I definitely think that Breadman – I love that that's just yeah, what they call him – Artie and Haas should be there. I happen to sneak in there somehow, not sure how. I mean, that's Jonathan Taves' quote. Yeah. So – and that's not, that's not fan voting at that point. Fan voting is for the captain. So, yeah, that's as you said. That's Matt Sunday in a room somewhere. <laughs> yeah, Matt's. What are you doing? What are you drinking? What's going on over there? Some sort of Swedish beverage from the Swedish the Christmas we learned about. Can answer what that might be. Yeah, we won't be able to pronounce it anyway. No, so. that's true. Sebastian was almost here, and it was going to be a, a fantastic, like in person. What happened? I don't know. I was looking forward to this. I don't know all the details. We almost had another guest, too, but I'm not going to say that on the, on the air because maybe we'll have him in the future. But um, anything else from the All-Star game? Because I have one more point I want to I want to elaborate on. Go cool. ahead. I know it's a game that doesn't mean anything. I don't remember, and I'm sure somebody's going to hear this and be like, you're dumb, it happened in 2004 or whatever. I guess it couldn't be 04, but I don't remember Crosby and Ovechkin ever being on the same team. Yeah, you were mentioning that. We're going to have to look that up because I'm, I'm not certain. Like I said, I don't pay that much attention to NHL All-Star games. Yeah. But or just, any All-Star game, for that matter. But they talk about that rivalry so much. and they, they, At a certain point, they're showing a lot of the same clips, like the game where they both scored a, a hat-trick in the, the playoff series against each other in 09. But uh, I, don't, I cannot think of any time when the two of them played on the same team. Obviously, internationally, it would never happen. There's not really like a – like during a lockout, even when Crosby was, was 
was playing on sort of like a traveling team. Ovechkin wasn't on that team. It came through Phoenix, and it was a pretty good team, and they were just kind of like playing scrimmage games against themselves or whatever. But, I, I mean, that to me is enough to watch. And, and look, Crosby hasn't gone to a lot of these All-Star games, and Ovechkin has missed a couple. So if the two of them are playing, and they're both healthy, and they're both on the ice together, working together, that's kind of cool to me. I just love the three-on-three format. I do, I do too. It's so much fun to yeah. watch. It's yeah. just firewagon hockey nonstop. It's great. Do you have a, a, a favorite here based on these <laughs> rosters? Yeah. No, absolutely not. <laughs> three on three. Yeah, literally literally it's, anything goes. Yeah, it is. It's, it's wide open. Uh, I like that. I like the unpredictability of it, even though it's just an NHL All-Star game. Hey, Mike. you uh, Mike Smith, you made, you made the All-Star game, and your reward is facing uh, three on three against a line of Crosby, Ovechkin, and John Tavares. Yes. Congratulations. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, I, I hear a lot of goalies say that they like it, though. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no pressure in this this regard. It, it's it, it's a lot of fun. McDavid and Austin Matthews will both be there as well, uh, assuming Toronto lets Austin Matthews go, which apparently was a thing <laughs> that was being discussed. If they didn't let Austin Matthews go to the All-Star game and they, they're not a big fan of letting him talk if the Maple Leafs lose a game to the media yeah, afterwards. That's all Lou. Yeah, well, that's, that's fine. Then you lose him. Then he goes back in the lottery this year. How's that? Like, if he's going to be on your like team, that. you need to... Coyotes fans would eat that up, sure. You, you don't need to market him, but you, you can't stand in everybody else's way of marketing him. How's that? Yeah. It's funny. You're mentioning this, and I don't, I don't know if we've discussed this. When, when Austin Matthews came here, initially he was not supposed to speak to the media. When he was coming back to his home state to play for the first time yeah. in his NHL career. And again, I, you know where that stems from. Somebody... Somebody made the decision, and it probably came from on high. It's not Austin Matthews, and it's not Mike Babcock. <laughs> and I'm guessing it's not like Frederick Anderson from the, the goal mouth. Yeah, somebody made the decision to make him available at the last minute, and that was obviously the right decision. If you want to market the game, if you want to trumpet you know, the, the growth of non-traditional hockey markets, you have to do this. It was amazing to me that this was an issue. I, and I, I get it to an extent. It's, a, it's an old-school approach with rookies. Let them earn it, but come on. I mean, He's earning it. He's on pace for 45 goals. What does the guy need to do, right? As, as I wrote, he's, he's exceeded all expectations. He's exceeded the hype. He's been incredible. Let the kid talk. He's fine. He's, he's mature enough. He gets it. He, he understands it on all levels. Just trumpet this guy. I mean, you're in Toronto, for God's sake. Well, that's You've been starved for this for so long. You've been starved for relevance. I, of course, I've got to mention the Maple Leafs every time they, they, they talk news, every time the sports is on, but you finally have a chance to be good, and it's because of this guy. Right? I mean, this is, this is how it was made palatable to fans of any of the other teams that were down near the bottom of the lottery last year that didn't get him. Okay, you wanted Austin Matthews. Toronto got him. That's good for the game. Whether you like the Maple Leafs or not, on some level that's good for the game because he will be on hockey's biggest stage. But if he's forced to stand behind the curtain all the time on hockey's <laughs> biggest stage, then give him back. So fortunately, he's, that's cooler heads have prevailed, and I would assume, all, you know, assuming he's healthy and everything, when the All-Star game rolls around, he'll that's be out there. That's a good walk-off quote. Let's end on that. All right. Yeah. Well, we're not ending the show on that, no. though. No. Okay. We'll end this segment. We don't have segments. Let's pretend we do. Okay. We'll be right back after nothing because we're going to keep going with this. Uh, on to the Metro Division, which uh, is basically its own all-star. They could literally field two all-star teams, and it wouldn't even be – they wouldn't bat an eye at it. Um, it's been unreal what they've done this year, Craig. And I know we've talked about it in the past, but it's really coming into focus now as we hit the halfway point because, to me, the real litmus test is Philadelphia won 10 games in a row at one point this season, and they're not guaranteed a playoff spot. They're in fifth place. And they're probably not catching any of the four teams in front of them in this division, so they have to hope for the second wild card. <laughs> See, They've won we, ten in a row. Yeah. It's, and you and I were looking at this, Seth. There have been divisions in NHL history where four teams reached 100 points. But it's when you look at the four teams, it's like the four team just got over the 100-point barrier. Just got to 100, yeah. I think you did the math on this earlier, projecting what each of these teams is on pace for. So yeah. I'll, I'll give you the mic because it's insane. And I'm certain we've never had a division where there were four teams over 110 points in a season. Yeah, I didn't actually even do the math on Philadelphia. Let me try to do that in my head. Philadelphia. They're, they're in the 90s. Yeah, so. they're, they're okay. They're, sorry, Philly. 
you're only winning two out of all your three games, so that doesn't that's worth nothing to us. The Rangers are currently in fourth. If they just stay on this exact projection, they will finish with 111 points. Fourth place. Fourth place in your division. Not the four seed in your conference, not the fourth best record in hockey. Fourth place in that division. Uh, Washington would finish with 117. And, oh, by the way, they, uh, they blew out Columbus to end that streak, which I think a lot of hockey people probably didn't see a blowout coming. But we talked about it on the show last week before that game happened. That sure felt like the game where the streak was going to end. Cause third place, right? Yes. They, third place. Uh, they've, by the way, they've won six in a row currently. I think that would give them these, tie them for the 17th most points in NHL history when they finish third place <laughs> in their division. And, and like I said, they've they've uh, they've won six in a row. It would give them the second best record in all of hockey last year, behind only themselves last year, which would be awkward, uh, and way ahead of whoever the actual second place team was last year, which was Dallas with 109. So just to put that in perspective. The second best record in hockey last year was 109 points. That would get you fifth in the Metro this year at the rate <laughs> we're going. Um, and again, Washington's won six in a row, so they're actually picking it up. Pittsburgh's in second. They have a hundred, they'd be on pace for 120 points. They've won five in a row, and they've lost a little bit of ground to some teams. 120 points would get them second place. Yes. Last year, that won you the President's Trophy. Okay. And, and nine teams in the history of the league have ever reached 120 points or more. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> they finished in second. And they would, they, they would be Crosby, Ovechkin in round one. <laughs> Not his teammates there. And the first place Columbus Blue Jackets, who, by the way, have really just become a major disappointment dropping, what is two straight now at yeah, this point? Yeah, I'm very disappointed in that team. Complete meltdown. Just this folded up like a cheap tent. Yeah. They're on pace for 126 points, even with their two-game losing streak. That would be the fifth most points in NHL history. Behind three teams from Montreal. In the mid-70s. When, when there was like four teams in the league? Everyone. Yeah, well, it's, it was a little bigger than that. but And then the 95-96 Wings, who had 131 points. Yeah, that team won the Cup. Did they not? Yes. That team was too good to not win the Cup. I believe they did. We can look so, at Stanley Cup champs. Hey, really let me ask you this. Since we're doing this, and I was just doing a different radio show today where we were talking about the best finishes uh, to, a, to a championship in, in any sport. And, and I was tasked with doing a top five. And so I basically, this is all because of the National Championship of College Football that took place last night. So I made my top five with the best uh, NBA Finals, Super Bowl, World Series, Stanley Cup, and National Championship that I can remember in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. What in your mind is, is the best Stanley Cup that you remember? Oh, man. Because, I, I, look, I just went since 2000, and... My criteria was it had to go seven games. 95-96, Colorado won the Cup. Well, you're right. That was the, that was the Patrick Waugh, Chris Osgood. Okay. Um, so I just went with, I mean, I went with Pittsburgh-Detroit from 09. Okay. My argument being that in the last decade, this is the only time a series went seven games where one of the fan bases didn't try and burn their own city down afterwards because the only other one that went that way was Vancouver-Boston, which was a good series. Yeah, it wasn't a great series, though. In spite of the fact that it won seven games. Vancouver was so banged up in that series. I still think Vancouver wins that series if they're healthy. I think they were the best team in the league that year. Yeah, I'd probably give you that. I mean, Pittsburgh, Detroit. Of of the ones that I can remember since the lockout, I'd agree with you. That ended with Nicholas Lidstrom, one of the, what, three best defensemen in the history of the game, nearly scoring to send it to overtime of Game 7. Flurry diving over to make a save, and... If Detroit scores, you've got to figure they probably win. Also, it's Crosby's first cup, and it ends that run. People forget how good Detroit was. People now just think of them as, oh, yeah, they're in the playoffs every year, and they lose in the first round. Detroit was really good in the 2000s. Yeah. So, that, I don't know. That's just a sidebar. Back when Marion Hosa kept finding himself on the wrong side of the, the cup. <laughs> if you're trying to remember which team Hosa was on in a given year, it was either whoever lost the Stanley Cup or Atlanta. <laughs> Those are your options. All right, uh, on to the bye weeks, which have started up within the last few days. I, I hold in my hand, I sound like David Letterman now, a list of seven teams that have either gone through their bye week already or are in the process of it. Uh, the Coyotes, Avalanche, Islanders, Rangers, Senators, Penguins, and Maple Leafs. So the reason I bring this up, Craig, and this is funny because I wanted to bring this up and you wanted to bring it up independent of each other. And did somebody used to sit in that empty chair over there? Again, I, I have no memory yeah. of this. So okay, he probably wouldn't. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. We should just ask the chair. 
I'm not hearing great things from the coaches that are already having these no. bye weeks about these bye weeks. And I, and I think their, their point is legitimate. I, I can just read you the quotes because I might as well read you the quotes. You may as well. Right. I mean, I've, I've heard them both. Saying it. I mean, can you Mike Babcock. It? Can you read it in Babcock's voice? I can't. Okay. Yeah, I just I haven't perfected my impersonations. That's fair. You didn't give me any heads up. I would have. I would have tried at least. It's improv. It's the art of improv. Yeah, I, have, I don't have that. Okay. I'm not Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> okay. I think it's 100% wrong for player safety. You've got so many games in such a short period of time, and you're jamming in more. To me, the more days rest you can have by not playing back-to-backs and jamming it in, the healthier you have a chance to be. Coyotes coach Dave Tippett basically says the same same thing. I shortened this quote that I think it contends the schedule too much. We come out of it, and we have five games in eight days. I'm not sure what the concept is, but it's not safety. I agree with them. And it, look, here's what I would say about this. I get why the players want a bye week, and I think it's a great idea mid-season. It's just this season of all seasons, it's not helping. It might be hurting because you already have a condensed schedule because of the World Cup of Hockey, and now you're condensing it even more because you have this big break, and you're just going to jam all these games in after the break. I mean, like one month into the second half, when you come out of your break, and I know some of these run into February, you're going to be exhausted again. I'm not sure it's going to be a benefit. What I'd like to see is, I'd like to see this continue. I think it's a really good idea. I know there's a lot of argument, like, just since we just finished the bowl season, there's a lot of people who say, oh, I hate the month off with the bowl practices because you don't get as good at games. And and there's certainly some argument to that when you watch the semifinals this year. Uh, Yeah. But I still want to see healthy players. I want to see healthy players playing. I want to see everybody playing that can possibly get back on the, the playing surface. So... And a lot of the coaches, the reason they want to go to some of those lower bowls is the extra practices they get, sure. even for next year or whatever. Yeah, because it gives their younger players a chance to develop. But So I'll throw a couple things out here. We were there when Tippett said it, and I didn't want to jump in and say, actually, it's five games in seven days, <laughs> but it is. So however unhappy he was when he was saying that, just rest assured he's going to be even more unhappy when he realizes that. Because it basically, it's basically, they come out, they play back-to-back home games. So this this is how... This is how the Penguins bye week worked, okay? They played December 31st, and they didn't play again until January 8th. So that's, what is that? That's essentially eight days off. That's a nice break. It is, and then they were at home, and then their next road game was three days later in Washington, D.C., which is not that far from Pittsburgh. Okay, so that that's different, because what's the rule? And this is the rule that people, I don't think, realize. It's not just that you don't play. You can't practice for five days. Right. Yeah, they start, yeah they, they start practicing again on Thursday. So I don't know how the Penguins specifically ran theirs, but they could have taken five full days off and then come back and practice for two or three days before they even played. That's, that's, that's what it should be for every team. Uh, for the Coyotes, that's not what it is. They, they played on Saturday night, January 7th, beat the Islanders in the shootout. They will play again on Friday, January 13th against Winnipeg. But to Dave Tippett's point, they'll play Friday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. So two days off, in a two nights off, I should say, in a seven-day span. And I don't even think Tippett was necessarily talking about the fact that that's ridiculous wear and tear on everybody's body. He started that quote off with, we don't ever get a chance to practice. Yeah. So they can't practice during the bye week. They don't get an eight-day bye week. They get a five-day bye week, and they have to jump right back in, and you're not practicing when you're playing five days and seven nights nope. and traveling. So they do need... I'm with you that they need to do it again next year when it's not a condensed schedule. But they may need to, I don't know, just kind of tune it up a little bit, even if it's four days completely off and then a day where you can practice, but you also get something. Because this is, it's not, it's not unique to the Coyotes, but it, it's, it's probably more unique to teams from the West who have more travel and all that and have yeah. to have that schedule cramped. Have this, it, it's weird to come out of it and play a back-to-back. It's weird to come out of it and play a back-to-back at home. Yeah, that's which odd. Which doesn't happen very often, but yeah, they get one practice in and then you jump in. I don't, I don't even know what, I mean, they'll probably have a morning skate on Friday. They won't on Saturday. No. So there's not a lot here. If just not a lot to work with. Uh, you guys remember what we're trying to do here? Okay, let's go play five games in seven days. And if they're going to practice on Thursday, it's got to be at night. Isn't there some rule where it can't be until like four or five o'clock on Thursday night? Yeah, because it's, yeah, you get the, the entire period of time, I think, or... It's, something close to that. Yeah. I, I don't remember what the exact rule says, but 
So there's a lot of different ways to, to look at it. I think Mike Babcock's comments should be taken into account too. You know, what what does ultimately help you? And, and again, condensed schedule, so I don't think we can judge it from this year. But if people don't like it next year, I wonder what what they're going to do with this because I do wonder if it's better to have five days off and then right back at it or to just have an extra day off in January and an extra day off in February and an extra day. You don't Which get to go on vacation. Like well, you don't get to go on vacation, but it's – it's probably better for wear and tear purposes. It probably is. But, if again, if, if we're not in a situation like we are this season with the World Juniors, or, or the World Cup of Hockey, rather, um, where you start the season late and then you have this big break so everything's condensed, maybe it works a little better. Maybe you don't have to have these crazy situations like we're talking about, and maybe you can tweak the schedule a little bit more. I still think players are going to want a nice break like this. It's great. I, I mean, who doesn't? You get to spend some time with your family. You might get a chance to go somewhere. Maybe you don't, you know, take a photo of yourself on a boat because that's probably not a good idea. But. Not if you're going to play in the NFC playoffs, yeah. but that's a different uh, sport. And, and if you're going to do that, you should probably catch the passes thrown your way during the game. But, hey, that's a whole different uh, podcast that I'm sure somebody's doing somewhere. You might have done it just before us in this they, room, they, actually. They may have. You know what, though? I don't see any holes punched in the wall, so maybe they weren't talking about that. Uh, anyway, it's going to probably be tough to take it away now that players have had it because I find myself wondering – you know, if, if I'm going through the rigors of an NHL season, traveling constantly, and I've got four days off, do I really want to travel again for those, you know, for day one and day four of that four-day stretch? Every single player is posting pictures of, I think they're all together. They could have a great NHL All-Star <laughs> tournament in, like, the Bahamas right now. <laughs> and I'm guessing most people in the Bahamas probably don't recognize Eric Carlson. That happens in a lot of markets, actually. Does it? <laughs> a lot of existing NHL markets. Players talk about being able to walk down the street. It's not Toronto. Are, are you saying we shouldn't have a team in, in the Bahamas? <laughs> that's another podcast, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyway, that's just something to keep an eye on with the, uh, the bye weeks because they, they kicked in finally this week, or I guess they kicked in 10 days ago. Nothing started until January 1st. Right. And uh, we'll see how it goes. And, and the other thing, too, and I'm trying to explain this to people that aren't necessarily hockey people, it's not like the whole league's taking five days off. If you're not paying close attention, you might not realize the Colorado Avalanche haven't played in five days. And why would you? Well, the lost column hasn't stacked up. So. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the Avalanche. Is that your segue? It was is my segue. Is that your segue? Well, no, that was just completely okay. uh, organic, but it works. What's going on with the Colorado Avalanche? I don't know. I don't know. I, you look at the offensive talent on this team and you think, they've got to win some games because there's just going to be some breakout games where they score a ton of goals. There's just too much talent there. Something. And I understand they don't have the depth. They they have issues. They clearly have roster holes. Yeah, they but do. But there's just too much offensive talent to see this. I don't get it. As we record this, they are dead last in the league with 27 points. Um, <laughs> they've got Nathan McKinnon. They've got Gabriel Landeskog, who's the subject of many trade rumors right now, which, by the way, the fact that the Bruins are unwilling to part with Brandon Carlo for Gabriel Landeskog, I think says more about their view of Gabriel Landeskog than their view of Brandon Carlo, who's a rookie, and he's, fi- he's a good rookie. And he's maybe they don't want to trade rookie defensemen anymore in Boston. I don't know. But <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe they'll gun shy at yeah. trading those young defensemen. So maybe, maybe that's mm-hmm. it. Here's the, uh, you mentioned that they're in last place in the NHL standings. They're last in the league in goals scored. It doesn't make any They have no. 79 goals scored 79 in 39 goals. games. They're power- okay, if you, if, you even, if you even take this argument further, if you say – all right, they don't have the depth. So it's easy for teams to focus on their stars because they don't have that depth. Okay. Okay, you would assume then that they have a really good power play, right? Well, they don't. They're in the bottom five of the league in power play as well. It makes no sense. I cannot figure this out. I've, I've, I've read, I've tried to understand what's happening up there, but I don't think they understand what's happening up there. It, it's, it's one of the biggest mysteries in the league this year. And again, we're not saying that Colorado should be challenging for the Cup. We're not even saying they should be a playoff team. But for them to have the worst record, you know, you and I talked about this last week. The Columbus Blue Jackets have this this amazing season so far. Maybe they're setting the blueprint for all the teams that don't get the number one overall pick. Colorado had the number one overall pick a couple years ago, and he's good. Nathan McKinnon's a good player. He's a lot better when he's playing for Team North America in the World Cup, but he is still a good player for the Avalanche. But, I mean, they... People talk about Nashville as being the biggest disappointment in the NHL this year. It's Colorado. Yeah, and I, I mean, Colorado didn't make the playoffs, so it, it's a little bit easier 
if we were judging them on the previous season when they made when they won the division, which was unsustainable too with Patrick Waugh as the coach. Yeah, but then it, it, it's, it's a little different, but yeah, this I, is the I, extreme. They sh- yeah, they shouldn't be this bad. I can see them not being a playoff team, but I, again, I, I think they should just win some nights because they have so much firepower. They should be able to have those breakout games, and they're they're just not doing it. Miko Rantanen is a decent rookie. He's way lost in the shuffle of rookies this year because you rattled off seven earlier that are you know having pretty fantastic seasons. He's got six goals in 34 games, 12 assists, 18 points. That's fine. You know, it's a decent rookie season. He's fourth on the team in scoring with that. Like, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's amazing to me. Like, Gabriel Landeskog has 13 points. I know he was hurt and he missed a little bit, but he has 13 points. He was the captain of this team. Remember when he was a, a rookie and in, in his second year, we are talking about how the Avalanche, well, we weren't because we weren't doing the show, but <laughs> people were talking about the Avalanche really, on, they were on their way. And then they have that year where they have the injuries, so they end up with the number one pick, they get McKinnon. Like, you would figure this team would be set up pretty well. And if you had told me they were in last place in the Central when the season started, I wouldn't, you know, I think most people probably expected that. But A, the Central hasn't been that good this year. And B, that doesn't mean you should be blasting the entire NHL. No. And you look at this roster, too. There, there, there's, some, there's some veterans here that should be able to coax more out of this roster than it than they're able to do right now. I mean, you got a guy like Jerome McGinley on your roster. Yeah. You would think leadership shouldn't be a problem on this team. What do you do if you're this team now? You Are you blowing it up? Other than Nathan McKinnon, are you just blowing it up now? I think you need to do something. The, the, again, Liz names in a bunch of rumors, and that's fine because he's 39 years old and he's an unrestricted free agent, and he, he has no value to Colorado at this point other than what they can get for him. He really doesn't him. have much value to anybody, to be honest, at this point. But He would have to end up on a... Really good cup contending team that could cram him on the third line and he pulls it together for two months or whatever, which I don't think is impossible, but you're not going to get much for him. But when you hear Landeskog's name in trade rumors, he's got four years left on his deal. So they're not getting rid of a rental player. That is them blowing it up, isn't it? I mean, that's, yeah. that's your captain. Yeah. But is he hard to move at this point? Makes you wonder, huh? What's going on here? What's, what's the skinny? That could be interesting. Because I, I, it's not just him. He's not the only reason Colorado's bad. No. Do you I, move Duchesne? And you keep hearing those rumors, too. Duchesne's the only guy that's scoring. And he's, what, 25? If it were me, I'm probably building around McKinnon, Duchesne, and Tyson Berry. And you're, you've signed Eric Johnson until the next millennium. So you, you're building around no, him, too. When you say building, I mean, what, what does that mean? It's, that That is the core right now, and they're tragically bad so what's what's wrong well what's wrong i mean there's not much there's not much other than them uh if if that's your core then you're willing to trade landeskog i think he could be the most compelling name at the trade deadline because let's see if i can pull up his his earlier stats in his career but i mean he was he was very good early on and he's 24 years old so if the situ if the problem in colorado isn't just him and i would be shocked if it's just him well, if he ends up on a on a decent team, or even just a different situation, that could be a steal. Him, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Prior, Shattenkirk's going to get dealt, right? <laughs> prior, prior to when St. Louis uh, is sitting in fourth place in the Central Division, they're gonna, they're going to deal him for what, a couple picks. That's, <laughs> so, Landeskog prior to this year, twenty goals last year, twenty three the year before, twenty six the year before that, uh, nine in that that. Lockout shortened season and he missed games. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. 22 as a rookie. Routinely, every year of his career, and again, I'm throwing out 2012 13 because he only played in 36 games. Every year in his career, he's put up a minimum of 52 points, and that was his rookie year. And he, he was named one of the, the youngest captains in NHL history when he was named captain. So, this is a very bad year, but if he's. I would trade for him if I could, if it was reasonable. I'm not giving away everything, but. Would you be afraid of the contract? But is it, it's like five and a half million a year, basically, and he's signed for four more years after this year. I, I really wouldn't because he'll be what twenty eight, twenty nine when this this deal's up. Again, it's all about price. But if you can buy low on Gabriel Landeskog, I'm jumping in and doing that. It'll be an interesting one to watch. Um, do you think this trade deadline is going to be all that interesting? I I'm think tra- I think him in terms and, of names, him and Shattenkirk are where it starts. I can't see Shattenkirk moving. I did. There's no way he would do that now, right? Is there any way the Blues can, can drop out of playoff contention? There really isn't. 
uh, I mean, I guess they don't need to drop out of playoff contention, but if they're like, what if they're on the fringe? Here's the thing, though. If you're in the Western Conference, what does that mean? Does, do, do you think, like, is, is there a dominant team in the West where you say, oh, if we, if we fall to this spot in the standings, we might as well just, we, there's no way we're advancing. No, I don't think there's that. But let me paint this little picture for you, okay? okay. You ready for this? Are you literally going to paint? I'm going to sit here and paint, and people are going to listen to the sounds of this brush on this canvas. St. Louis Blues, 47 points as we record this. That's third in the Central, okay? Four ahead of Winnipeg and five ahead of Dallas. And then over in the Pacific, Calgary is 46 and LA is 44. So just in terms of you know where you are in the wild card. Let's just say the Blues, before the trade deadline, hit a snag, they lose four in a row, which I don't think is inconceivable. Mm-hmm. And let's say the trade deadline rolls around and they are tied for the first wild card, two points up on the second wild card, three points out of being completely out of the playoffs. Does that then change your mind about trading Kevin Shattenkirk if you're Doug Armstrong? What do you get no in return for that asset? Well, at that point, you could trade him to a contender and get, I think, some very good prospects. Prospects. So you're going to trade him for prospects. Because well, that's all you're getting from a contender, obviously. And, They're and, not giving up existing NHL players, I don't think. Unless it's somebody in the East who really needs defense and sure. has an overabundance of forwards. Sure. Like the Rangers? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't... I'm hoping for the Blues' sake they haven't completely closed the book on it. Because while we both think they're a playoff team, they're your pick to go to the Stanley Cup, right? They were. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're capable of going to the I'm Stanley surprised. Cup. Yeah, they, I, I still think they are. I mean, look at that blue line in that. But they're also capable of missing the playoffs. It's crazy. Like, it's probably a 10% chance. I don't understand the league this year. It's possible they miss the playoffs. They are, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable when the league makes you feel lost, Craig. They're Western right. Conference, I should say. Although, yeah. the Metropolitan Division, too. What the heck? The number two wild card in the West is three points behind St. Louis. So, just putting that out there. It's possible. You should probably still at least be exploring offers for Kevin Shattenkirk. Because as we've sort of hashed out on the show before, if you just let him walk at the end of the year for nothing, you're saying they need to have won the Cup. I'm saying they at least need to have gotten to the Cup. If they sneak in as the second wild card and lose in the first round... All right, let's play that, that scenario out. Okay. That wasn't say worth they, it. Say they make it to the cup finals and they lose in the cup finals. Okay. And you go into the offseason and Kevin Shattenkirk just walks away for nothing. You think the fan base is going to be like, well, you know, we got to the cup finals, so now we can let him go no. for nothing. No, no, I don't think that. I think they're going to be livid. They are. They're going to be livid. We got this close, we didn't win it, and now you're letting a keepies walk away for nothing. Well, at that point, it's kind of out of your hand, right? In hands, unless you trade him like on draft day, and at that point, you're just trading his negotiating no, I mean, rights. Nobody's doing that at that point. Yeah, just wait. Yeah, you could do that. But I mean, that gets you a fourth round pick, maybe. Right, exactly. Maybe. Um, I think there will be enough fans, though, that will see. Hey, we made it to the Stanley Cup. They they tried to win this year. It was a horrible misstep on their part, but at least they were going for it but you better at least come out of the Western Conference, and there is a chance they don't even make the playoffs. Can you – let's play this scenario out. They hold on to Kevin Shattenkirk, and they miss the playoffs by a point on the last day. Oh, that's, that's the worst scenario for Doug Armstrong. That is the worst scenario. You just played it out. You should write that. Okay. I will. I, I can't imagine that happening. But No, I can't see St. Louis missing the playoffs, but I, I could see them bowing out in the first round. They're four points out of missing the playoffs and, right now. Even in, even that scenario, right? Say they lose in the first round, and then Kevin Shattenkirk walks for nothing. Oh, that's just what as bad. Well, it's almost doing. As bad. That's what that would those those would be my words to Doug Armstrong if I were the owner of the team. What were you doing? They explain have, your yeah, thought process you, to me, please. You've got five minutes, and please stand on that trap door as you explain <laughs> it, because I assume that the ownership of the St. Louis Blues is nothing but cartoon characters from the '30s. They uh, they haven't made the Stanley Cup since 1970. So if they make it to the expansion Cup... Expansion years? Those two expansion years, right? With Scotty Bowman. Yeah, am I reading this right? Their first three years in the league, they made the Stanley Cup? Well, you know why. Because they had a, an expansion division and a regular division. So they basically gifted the winner of that division into the Cup Finals. Well, they've never won. And they haven't been there since they were in the expansion division. Right. So maybe... Yeah, I still do think if they, they keep them, they make it to the Stanley Cup, they lose in the, the final to... I was going to say Tampa Bay, but they're even in worse situation than St. Louis right now. They lose they're playing without Steven Stamkos, so they have a good excuse. Yeah. If, if they got to the Cup and lost, I think people would not like it, but they'd be able to stomach it. If they are out in the first round or struggling to make the playoffs with a week left, 
That's going to be bad. So that'll be a fun team to watch. It will be. And Gabriel Landeskog at the trade deadline is... Is he the biggest name? We should, we should start charting this out. Yeah, we probably should be a good do topic that. for another podcast. Let's do that. We, we come are the some... biggest names. I guess we could do that. Hey, I know. Right before the trade deadline. What? Huh. That's brilliant. That's crazy. Well, maybe we should do it a few weeks ahead of time because probably. I think right before... we set the agenda. Yeah. So, That's like, true. TSN and all them are going to be waiting to see what we do. Right. And a week we'll pick bef- a few names that people aren't thinking of. We'll throw them out there. Malkin. <laughs> right. Stamkos. That's right. Malkin to the Blackhawks. Yeah, every year Malkin's getting traded, apparently. All right, that's, uh, I think that's it. You got anything else? I got nothing. Should we do the weekly Tampa Bay update? They're still not in the playoffs, and uh, I'm not concerned yet. In fact, I think they, they could be that team that does what Pittsburgh did last year, not because they fire their coach, but because they get their players back and things come together and they make it. They're in sixth in the Atlantic, but they're four points out of third. There's still time. Five out of second. So they could easily go on a roll, get in there, have an easy first-round matchup against Ottawa or something, mm-hmm. and hit the second round of the playoffs running. Hey, what's Gerard Gallant doing these days? I would assume he's looking for real estate in Las Vegas. Okay. Probably Henderson, like just south of Vegas. What are Florida Panthers doing these days? Uh, looking for real estate in Vegas? <laughs> I don't know, like Henderson? <laughs> Florida Panthers are uh, 44 points. Hey, they've won one in a row, my friend. I don't need analytics to tell you they've won one in a row. So. We're good here. There's your Florida update. All right. Are we going to have the other guy back next week? I don't even know who that guy is. <laughs> That's fair. Are we even recording? For Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Bopinski. Huh? That would be hilarious. This is just a rehearsal. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for the real deal here in about five okay. minutes? Okay, cool. For Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to episode 67. I can't believe we've done 67 of these. Of the Natural Hattrick podcast. Did you mention Lawson Krauss? I did. I opened with Lawson Krauss. There you go. I missed that. Feel free to listen to the show. It's good. Occasionally.